Welcome to Friends in Fiction, five best-selling authors, endless stories. Friends in Fiction is a podcast with five best-selling novelists whose common love of reading, writing, and independent bookstores bound them together with chats, author interviews, and fascinating insider talk about publishing and writing. These friends discuss the books they've written, the books they're reading now, and the art of storytelling. If you love books and you're curious about the writing world, you're in the right place. Best-selling novelists Mary Kay Andrews, Kristen Harmel, Christy Woodson Harvey, Patty Callahan Henry, and Mary Alice Monroe are five longtime friends with more than 80 published books to their credit. At the start of the pandemic, they got together for a virtual happy hour to talk about their books, their favorite bookstores, writing, reading, and publishing in this new uncharted territory. They're still talking, and they've added fascinating discussions with other best-selling novelists. So join them live on their Friends and Fiction Facebook group page every Wednesday at 7 p.m. Eastern, or listen and view later at your leisure. Hi, everybody. It's wonderful Wednesday night, and that means it's time for Friends and Fiction, five best-selling novelists, endless stories. I'm Mary Kay Andrews, and I'm hosting our guest, Caroline Levitt, tonight. And my forthcoming novel, The Newcomer, will be out from St. Martin's Press on May 4th. Hi, I'm Kristen Harmel, and my next novel, The Forest of Vanishing Stars, will be out from Gallery Books on July 6th. I'm Christy Woodson-Harvey, and my next book, Under the Southern Sky, releases from Gallery Books on April 20th. I am Patty Callahan-Henry, and my next novel is Surviving Savannah, and it comes out on March 9th. You're muted, Mary Alice. Mary Alice, you're muted. (laughs) (laughs) Can you unmute it? No. Oh, there you go. There you are. I'm Mary Alice <laughs> And the Summer of Lost and Found is coming up from Gallery May 11th. Thank you for your patience. <laughs> and thanks, everybody, for coming and hanging out with us on Wednesday nights, as always. You know, before we get busy discussing our guests tonight, we're going to depart from our usual business because we all want to toast some fabulous news we just received. Our own Kristen Harmel's novel, The Book of Lost Names, has been voted a semifinalist. Congratulations. Yeah, in the 2020 Goodreads book, Best Book of the Year Historic Fiction category. Yay! Offering a virtual toast oh, to our girl Krista. Mm-hmm. Be sure to vote. Go vote. Wait, yeah. and Kristen, can I ask yeah. you a question for those of yeah. us who might not know this? Now we all voted for you in the first round. I don't know about everyone else, but I got a snazzy email from Goodreads <laughs> this morning. I was so excited saying that my person that I had voted for made it to the next round. So now we go and vote again, right? Just because yes. we voted, we still have to, we still get to vote again. Yes. yes. If you okay. wouldn't mind, if you could vote again by November 15th, that'll hopefully fingers crossed, help me get through to the final round next week. But I just so appreciate it. Thank you. Thank right. you to everybody who voted and thank you for to you guys too. Thank you. We'll put a reminder of an announcement with a link to Goodreads and of course, we are thrilled for all the other semifinalists and all the voting categories, but mostly for Kristen. But mostly. <laughs> <laughs> and more importantly, we love her book. Yeah. Oh, yes. Thank it's you. Such guys. a great book. Thank great. you. Um, on to tonight's guest, Caroline Levitt, whose latest novel is With or Without You. And oh, there we go. <laughs> Caroline is one of the founders of the Facebook group, A Mighty Blaze, and the award-winning author of 12 novels, including Pictures of You and Is This Tomorrow, among other titles. With or Without You was a Good Morning America book pick and landed on bestseller lists all over the place. Her essays and stories have been featured in New York Magazine, Psychology Today, Red Book, and Salon. In addition to book criticism for people, the Boston Globe and the San Francisco Chronicle, Caroline teaches online writing classes through Stanford and UCLA's Writing Writers Program, as well as offering uh, one-on-one writing consulting. 
You just know we want to hear her writing tip tonight. Yeah. And she lives in Hoboken with her husband, Jeff Tamarkin. I hope I got that right. A journalist who's specializing in writing about pop, jazz, and rock music. Nice. And since we are talking about books, um, Caroline tonight has chosen um, the indie bookstore of the week is Community Bookstore in Park Slope, Brooklyn. And um, as you know, when we started Friends in Fiction back in April, part of our mission was to support indie bookstores like this week's bookstore, Community Books in Brooklyn, which sounds like the most delightful bookstore possible. <laughs> it's been in existence for four decades with a bookstore cat. Oh, we love cats. In the yeah. Upon, so right, a pond with turtles, and what's described as an unreasonably large selection of books by Trollope. <laughs> oh, this week, they are offering a 10% discount on books by Caroline, as well as the five FNF authors with the code FRIENDSFICTION10, and you will find the link to the store on the website and on our Facebook page. Now, Sean, will you bring in Caroline so we can quiz her? <laughs> thank you so much for having me and i want to tell all of you please like um uh go to the mighty blaze website and get your you know fill out the form because we'll promote all your books oh, be honored. You. Oh, I, i'm a member me too you guys are so amazing yeah it feels like falling job. my last book came out right well all of ours did right at the beginning yeah, of the pandemic I and i was so, so yeah. grateful for all of that we're happy to host you again Great. Thank but you. Caroline, it is so good to finally meet you after admiring your you and your work on and with A Mighty Blaze. So how's it been during the pandemic? We chatted a little bit before we came on tonight. And right, right. It's actually been, you know, really, really, The Mighty Blaze really sort of saved me because it started when, you know right when the pandemic started and all of us were working 20 hours a day to get <laughs> Thing up and running, mm. so I didn't really have much time <laughs> yes. to worry and freak out that there was a pandemic outside because I was trying to promote writers. Yeah. And uh, we now have it's we now have a staff of twenty unpaid, passionate volunteers, and um, wow. it's just been it's been great. The rest of the stuff has been surreal. It's very strange not to be able to go to the movies, not to be able to go to Broadway. Not yeah. to be able to see my friends except on Zoom, but I'm becoming an expert Zoomer, so that's good. <laughs> and how about your writing? Are you able to get much of that done? I know you're so busy because you have. I'm sorry, I interrupted you. <laughs> you're writing essays. You're doing Mighty Blaze and your newsletter, and maybe more teaching. I I don't know how you find enough hours in the day. Mm -hmm. I'm I'm obsessive. <laughs> I'm really obsessive about this stuff, and also I have to. I. I before with or without you came out, I figured that I needed to sell another book so I wouldn't be obsessed about whatever happened with with or without you. So I wrote up a first chapter and an outline and I sold it and now I have to write it. Which is the big surprise. You know? It's due it's due next um October. So I have to I have to work on it every day and I keep thinking, why did I do that? Why didn't I just write the book first? But that's keeping me busy. So I, I do. I have like very I have a really strong work ethic, so I'm really able to get everything done so far. So far. That's great. Um, so we are going to, we've all got questions that we are dying Great. to ask you. I am interested in all the autobiographical elements in your books. I know that your latest novel, With or Without You, is about a woman who emerges from a months-long coma and discovers, among other startling changes, that she has suddenly acquired a new artistic talent, painting portraits. Now, I know that this uh, situation was loosely inspired by your own experience mm -hmm. more than 20 years ago after you came out of a month-long yep. medically-induced coma. And, um, you know, I'm interested in how you, the character, the protagonist in this book, how you gave her um, something um, that you didn't have. Talk to us about that when you emerged from your coma and the okay. difference. I, you know, when I emerged from my coma, part of the problem was they gave me meds that would block 
my memory and I didn't never realize there was such a thing. Um, yeah. And they did it because I guess I was in a lot of pain or it just made me easier for them to deal with. Um, but so I didn't remember being in the comet at all. And I wasn't changed afterwards. I was just sort of on morphine and hallucinating. But my body remembered, uh, even yeah. when I was better, like six months out of the hospital, if I smelled a certain kind of lotion, I'd go in a panic attack and start to sweat. And that was really because that was the lotion the nurses used. Or, you know, God help me if I saw stripes of any kind, because that's the stripe of the curtain. So I was having so much trouble that I thought, oh, maybe I have PTSD. So I went to a therapist and the therapist told me, well, you're a writer. Why don't you write about it? So I actually wrote another coma novel first, which was called Coming Back to Me, which was exactly my story. You know, a woman has a baby, goes into coma, and the book did well, but my body did not do well. I still had all these problems. Mm -hmm. So five years ago, my husband had to go on a to be a journalist in Norway, and he was gone for uh, a week. And during that week, I could not sleep. I was terrified to go to sleep because I kept thinking it's too much like coma. I stayed up every single night watching every bad movie there oh, is to yeah. watch, um, and I wouldn't sleep until it was six in the morning. So I thought I have to, I have to do something about this. So I went to a different therapist, and this therapist said, "Well, I have the answer for you because I think you wrote the wrong kind of coma book. Instead of writing about somebody who's like you, why don't you write about somebody who's different?" And I thought. Oh, that that sounds a lot better. So I knew I had to research. And I have this friend named Joseph Clark who works at the University of Cincinnati. And he was researching comas. And we had these long conversations where I would ask him, well, what can happen in a coma? And he said, well, you know, we don't any absolutely anything can happen because we don't really know what happens when people are in coma. It's the brain is like firing and rewiring all over the place and maybe it's cellular memory but he said all kinds of amazing things can happen and i said well like what and he said well people can emerge speaking fluent mandarin <laughs> and as soon as he said that i thought wow that's really interesting this why didn't be that happen to me <laughs> yeah i know that's what i said why didn't it happen to me um or he said you know there was one case of some woman who woke up and she kept saying oh i need a violin i need a violin and they said why you don't play any instrument you can't even carry a tune and they brought her this violin and she could play like a virtuoso wow. and she's not like stages so as soon as i saw that i thought oh this is going to be so much lighter a book for me to write and it's going to be really fun for me to write so i decided that you know just then and there okay i'm going to make stella my protagonist she's going to come out of this coma with a talent and that's going to be like really, really, really fun to do. And it was, it was. And once I had that, then I knew she was different than I am. And then I could sort of get into her head and, and uh, it sort of became, it sounds so funny to say this, but it became the coma I wish I had had instead <laughs> of the one I had. <laughs> And it was very healing. It was very healing. I That's still don't like it. Yeah, sometimes sometimes writing, we don't even yeah. we're not even conscious of it. Sometimes writing is so cathartic for us, right? Yeah. It was very cathartic. I still don't love going to sleep, but I can now. Oh. But you know, the the smell of lotions doesn't bother me anymore. Stripes don't bother me anymore. The rest of the stuff sort of left. It's just the sleep stuff. And I feel, well, that'll that'll pass, I hope. <laughs> Wow. But you know, Caroline, that's what brought an authenticity to it, to the voice. Uh, you know, you were in a coma, and it was it was beautifully done. It really Thank was. I, I didn't know until after when I had read the article that it was so different than your own. Because I thought they were totally trying different. to Yeah. It was totally different. I just sort of, I guess it was a part of me where I just didn't want to go back to that place i wanted to create a different place and um it, it was just thrilling to hear that you know coming out of coma could be a very different experience than what i had okay this is okay girls i'm sorry but i have to ask this crazy question if you could have come out 
with one talent, but would it offend? <laughs> you know what? I wish name. I could sing. <laughs> I would have loved oh, me too. I cannot. <laughs> I have this odd voice. I cannot carry a tune. I just, I'm a terrible singer. But the thought of like being able to sing really beautifully mm. to me seems like oh, it would be a miracle. I would love that. I would love that. <laughs> it didn't happen. That's um, great. I mean, what is what an incredible story, though, that you could write about something yeah. so profound. I mean, how many people can say they were in a coma and came out? Yeah, you could write a book about it to share that. Yeah, yeah, it was weird. It was a strange experience. Wow. Kristen, you've got a question, right? Yeah. So, Caroline, switching tracks a little bit, you've been so candid about describing your own rags to riches to rags again publishing <laughs> journey, right? Um, it, yep. Like, so just, you know, for those who don't know, I think you had a, a huge first novel and then subsequently had a publisher go out of business and mm -hmm. then another publisher go out of business, mm -hmm. right? Yep. And it then was you had... I'm sorry, go ahead, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, yeah, I'm I'm the poster child for any writer out there who thinks I'm never going to make it. Well, Listen to my story, because you will. <laughs> I Indeed, I did. I published my first book in my 20s. I won a young writer's contest, and I was like the flavor of the month. And I thought, this is really cool. I like this. I hope this happens all the time. And so, <laughs> so my second novel did not do as well, you know, and then my publisher went out of business. So I got to another publisher and they went out of business and it got to the point where my agent kept saying you know publishers are starting to talk about you um, so i finally went out and I, <laughs> I got a big three book deal from a major publisher and as as all of you know if the publisher is not behind you if they don't really promote the book just doesn't matter whether it's good or not a good book the book just dies and that's what happened three books just sort of like nothing happened with them and the same thing happened with my next three books nothing happened and meanwhile all my friends who were writers were getting prizes and they were known and I was the idiot at the party where people would say well what do you do for a living I would say uh I'm a writer, and then, you know, they never knew who I was. So there I was writing my ninth book, which was Pictures of You, on contract. And I thought it was, you know, okay, and my agent really liked it. And I got a call from my editor at this big publishing house who said, Caroline, we're really sorry, but we can't publish this. And I said, yeah. And I said, why not? And she said, well, None of us here really think it's special. So, of course, at that point, I started to cry and I said, well, I can make it special. Just tell me what you do. I can rewrite. I don't care how long it might. I can make this book work. And there was that silence again. And she said, you know, none of us here really think that you can. Oh, um, my God. But oh, best of luck. You know, best oh of luck. Gosh. And blah, blah, blah. So I hung up the phone. And I thought, this was my ninth novel. Now, if you have nine novels out there and none of them except your first, which was a million years ago, did anything, it's not like publishers are going to be breaking down the door saying, oh, we'd love to publish your next novel that's not going to do anything. Mm -hmm. So my agent said, don't worry, don't worry. And of course, I called on my writer friends, hysterical, saying, that's it. You know, like, yeah. my career is over. What am I going to do? Yeah. And one of my friends said, look, I have this editor at Algonquin, and I think she will like your work. And I said, well, even if she likes it, she's not going to take it because I'm not selling. And my friend said, let me just let me just finesse this. So she went and she took my manuscript and she gave it to this person at Algonquin, this woman named Andra Miller. And Andra called me up about two weeks later, and I thought, oh, she's you know just being nice, and so she's going to tell me no. And it took me about ten minutes to realize she was pitching me Algonquin, and I finally stopped her. And I, because I'm an honest person, I said, look, I have to tell you, because I don't want any surprises. I don't sell books. I said, like my sales figures are terrible. Nobody knows who I am. And she started to laugh, and she said, oh, honey, you will now. And oh, they, <laughs> they bought that book they got it in six printings six months before it came out they just built up the buzz it became a new york times bestseller its first week out oh my and gosh. my phone did not stop 
ringing and it was so strange and you know the most gratifying thing of all was like three months after it was out the editor who had told me the book was not special called my agent to ask if i wanted to go back to their publisher (laughs) and i said no i said no so it's 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 actually like you know i have a really good frame of mind about you know what success is and what it means now because i've seen both ends and i feel like you know what just keep your head down do your work you know be kind to everybody a lot of it is luck some of it isn't luck a lot of it is like having the right publisher for you and having people behind you but um I tell writers all the time, don't be discouraged. Don't be discouraged. It took me nine books and a lot of years. Do you think that made you a better writer than you would have been if it had just all been smooth and beautiful sailing from the beginning with like accolades, you know, it, 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 everywhere yeah. with, you know, everything being thrown at you? Yeah, that's a great question. And I think you're right. I think it definitely made me a better writer because I kept sitting down thinking, I couldn't figure out why the other books hadn't sold. And I kept looking at them saying, is it the plot? Is it this? Is it this other thing? And I started to study story structure and other books. And I worked really, really hard. I mean, I killed myself over pictures of you. And I do for every book because, you know, you never know. So I feel like, well, I might as well please myself first and just write the best book that I possibly can. And hopefully other people will will like it as well, but definitely. Isn't that a secret? Isn't that such great advice? It really is. So inspiring. Wow. Thank um, you. (laughs) It's like that dark night of the soul in a book, right? It was terrible. It was just terrible. We've all been there, and you just think it's never going to work. think it's like, oh, my gosh, what do I do? And And the sun comes up. Yeah. And then it turned around, and and it can happen for every single writer out there. So, you know, don't. If it happened to me, it can happen to you. You can't take it for granted. You know, no. every book, every book has to be your best. Every um, book has to be your best, and the way, and I feel like the way it becomes your best is if you, if I would say, if you go down and find your deepest self and put it on the page, without fear or worry, then readers will be able to find their deepest self. Because of you. And that's what makes a book resonate for readers, yeah. I think. Oh, that was so nice. write that down. That's amazing. <laughs> so this is our <laughs> writing tip. Episode. Yeah, forget the writing tip. We've just gotten like a dozen, right? I here. know. <laughs> and they kind of be a better human tips, too. Right. Exactly. <laughs> right. <laughs> that was well said. Well said. Yeah. yeah. Um, I'm sorry, what was the question? Oh, no, Chris, so, Chris, oh, no question. Yeah, Chris, so in With or Without You, the protagonist's lover is an aging rocker who's finally on the verge of fame. When his life is upended by his girlfriend's medical emergency, as we've mentioned, she goes into a coma after taking one of his recreational pills. So this book talks so well about the pursuit of fame and its effect on the famous adjacent and professional jealousy. Was that an aspect that you had planned on exploring in the novel or was that just something that happened? That's an interesting question. It was sort of something that happened because um, I didn't know much about the rock and roll life other than, you know, that I like rock and roll. But my husband knows all these famous, famous, famous people. And I started having conversations with him and he introduced me to a few of them. And I started to notice that there were two different kinds of famous people. There were the people like, um, I met a lot of people from the band, the Jefferson Airplane. And some of them were, it was ridiculous because some of them were in their late 60s and they were wearing tight little pants and tight little tops <laughs> and you know ugling all the girls and I thought oh this is like somebody who just hasn't grown up this is pathetic and then there were the people who were in their 50s and 60s some in their 70s who were who had once been very famous and now they were they weren't maybe like 10 people would know who they were but they were still able to play their music and they were happy yeah. and I thought wow this is really interesting this is really interesting to me because and i can use that and i started like talking to i talked to some musicians asking well what does fame mean to you and the idiots (laughs) 
you know, the idiots who are all into fame and still looking 20 when they're in their 60s would say, well, fame is a million people who are cheering for you, who love what you do. And the ones who are just, you know, making a nice living, being a musician said, well, you know, I don't think about fame. I just think about the work, you know, much wow. like writers. I just think about the work and the joy of playing music and if people show up, it's great. And if they don't, well, maybe they will the next day. And I love that. And the more I thought about that, the more I wanted to get it in the book. That's awesome. Love that. That's amazing. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. Which brings me to my question, which is that you have written very honestly and extensively about your own family, oh yeah, your mom and your sister, which, yeah. which I'm going to tell you a secret, terrified me. Terrified <laughs> 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 all. I know nobody else heard that but you, but um, yeah. <laughs> it is terrifying. It is terrifying because you can be sued. Um, I have had. I actually had a lawsuit for my first book because this family. No, it was ridiculous. It was ridiculous. It was this family. Ben B and Rozzy, I forget what their real name was. It was something like Neiman. And my characters were Ben B and Rozzy Nelson. So it was sort of like a non issue. Um, oh, most of the writing I've done about my mom has been like since she got dementia because my mother was very adamant about she did not want to be written about you know she would call me up and yell at me say, I don't want to be written about don't you dare but then when she had dementia she didn't know so and I felt compelled to do it um, my sister is a whole different story I've been writing about my sister for a really long time um, my first novel was actually about her and she never knew it was about her and I finally said this book is about you. And she said, no, it isn't. Um, my sister has a lot of problems and she has threatened to sue, but the deal is, um, lucky for me, my first husband was a lawyer and he told me that in order to successfully sue, you have to show damages. I mean, my sister does not, she has not held down a job for a million years. She doesn't really have friends. And I was very careful to try to present the truth in a loving way. Um, and I had to make a choice. If I wrote about my sister, would I be hurting her? Or would I be helping myself feel better and understanding about her, helping others? And I decided that I needed to help others. Um, oh, wow. I will tell you like another lawsuit that I had was actually I I wrote about um, an ex-boyfriend who I was in this terrible relationship a long long time ago with this guy who wouldn't let me eat um, oh he, he literally would what? follow me around that guy's in the category of terror no, yeah. yeah he, he would follow me I've around I've got my M&M's right here so <laughs> <laughs> he would follow me around to make sure I wasn't eating stuff and dinner was always like a baked potato and broccoli and lord help me if i put butter on the potato so you might ask why would i stay in a relationship like this and the reason was because before i met him i had been involved with this great great guy who had died and i had been just grieving 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 and I got to the point after about five months where I said, I can't do this anymore. And I thought, well, if I get in a relationship, I won't have to grieve. And so I met this guy and we very quickly started to live together and I wasn't grieving. So every time he would do something horrible, I would. Then my first inclination was, well, screw you, I'm leaving. And then I thought, well, if I leave, I'm gonna have to grieve. Um, and I finally left him when I went to sit down to write and I found that he had gone in my computer and rewritten the whole chapter, he said, to make it funnier. So so I left. I know it was ridiculous. And it was your writing that was the so I left. Don't cross that line. <laughs> that was it. You can't cross that line. Yeah. So I left and I went back to Green. I had to grieve for like another six months. And then I decided to write about it. And I wrote this article called The Grief Diet. Um, just about how I luck. Because I went down to I went down to 95 pounds. Um, oh my gosh. And I did not mention his name. I did not mention his profession. I did not mention what he looked like. Um, the only true thing that I mentioned was that we both lived on the Upper West Side. And 
and the the essay was published and then all of a sudden I get a call from Random House Lawyer and they said oh we got this call and I said oh let me guess was it from blah 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 and they say yes and he wants to suppress the book and sue you because you wrote about him and I said well I didn't use his name and I didn't describe him and you know it's been like it was by that time it had been like 15 years and I said we don't have any of the same friends anymore and she said okay I will tell him and tell him to go away so they got him to go away so I always tell people you know you have to be sort of you have to be sort of careful and you have to think the whole thing about family suing you is that um they have to prove that you've really damaged them which I didn't really want to do I mean like if my sister had been a dentist I wouldn't have written about how she had ruined people's teeth because that's suable that is suable but if you write about well my sister did such and such a thing and it made me be if you put it back on you it made me feel this way and I had to act this way because I felt so terrible and I felt that she was blah 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 that you're safe you just can't make blanket statements that somebody is a drunk or a drug addict wow this is a great writing tip yeah, yeah. You, so you what, you write? what do you, you tell your writing students when they want to tell write about their families? What do you because oh, we well, get that question a lot, like can I tell the truth about my family? You like, can, but you want to be careful. It's sort of like I mean Anne Lamont says your stories are your stories, your life yeah. is your life. If people didn't want you to write about them, they should have behaved better. But my <laughs> feeling is that yeah. <laughs> I mean, I don't really feel that way because sometimes people can't help themselves how they behave. Yeah. I just feel like I I had you have to think really with great certainty why you're writing this and for me it was I needed to understand why the sister I love so deeply hated me now um, and I was very careful and you want to be really careful the things that could be actionable or they could really destroy somebody I left out Like if you're writing about, you know, if you're writing about your brother and he's married and he's having an affair, you might need to, do you need to write about the affair? Maybe you can get at your point another way. (laughs) You know, you've had to figure out what what would be your point about writing that. And it might be, well, he's having this passionate affair and he's very loving. Why can't he be loving towards me? And I would say to the students, well, maybe you can find a different example of that. Because if you start, you're talking about his affair is going to deeply hurt his partner and you know it's going to be a big huge mess so i always say like try to think about the stuff that concern you personally um don't demonize try to understand about you know your family member and you know be prepared you know, be prepared for anger or rage. But my situation with my sister was also, she already hated me. So I felt that on one level, I felt that, well, maybe if I wrote this, we could get in conversation. And that, you know, that didn't happen. That didn't happen. But, um, you know, you're walking a tightrope. You're really walking a tightrope. And you just try to be as honest as you can without, you know, just ragging on somebody. You're, you're trying to understand why they are the way they are. And then it becomes a truth and then it can help mm-hmm. other people. And then that's why you can do it. Right. Oh, and that's great answer, Dory. Yeah. Which leads to my question, actually, because first of all, thank you. You've taught us a lot already tonight. Oh, I'm so glad. <laughs> you have. I mean, the, the legalities are something that we always have to struggle with. And it's, so thank you. But I'm really impressed. I think we were talking earlier, all of us are, that you teach advanced and beginning writing classes at both UCLA and Stanford University. Mm-hmm. And you offer a one-on-one consulting services, yep. which I'm amazed. But here's, in my mind, this is a huge commitment, both of your personal self, but your time. And all of us are busy. I mean, you, as we said, you do a mighty blaze and all the essays and other things. How do you balance this with such a busy writing career? Um, And also one other thing, I'm a former teacher. What drives you to teach? 
Mm. Okay. I'm going to take that question about driving me to teach. I learn so much from my students. I really do. I mean, I make them critique each other because I really feel if you can look at somebody's work and figure out, oh, this doesn't work and how can I make it work? It helps me in my own writing. Mm -hmm. um, also, I... I really love my students. It's just really interesting to see. I make them get really personal. <laughs> I make them get really personal in their writing. And you get to know each other on a really deep basis. And it's it's fun. And also, I have enough in terms of classes, I can't pick and choose who's in the class. But when I do personal stuff, I get to choose the people I want to work with. So that makes it much more enjoyable. In in terms of time, I just, I'm, I've been lucky because I'm very fast. I'm ridiculously fast. And I just manage to get things done. And I'm happiest when I'm doing a lot of different things. So it works out. Works out. Wow. It's, it's pretty amazing that you can do all that. It really is. My hat's off to you. <laughs> so, um, you know, Caroline, we have a lot in common with our online um, Facebook um, shows. You are a founding member of A Mighty Blaze, along with Jenna Blum. Mm -hmm. and actually, I think we have a viewer question that okay. has to do with that. So let's, let's see if that viewer is around. Hi, friends and fiction readers. Hi, Caroline. Boo! I wish I could have popped in in person tonight to surprise you, but I am doing an event with Elizabeth Berg for underserved children and trying to get them some books to read. So unfortunately, I have to say hi to everybody via video. But I feel like this is a little appropriate given the fact that Caroline and I have co-founded a company called A Mighty Blaze that helps link writers and their new books and readers virtually. So Caroline, question for you that I would have asked you had I been able to pop on. What do you think after our nine months of having the Blaze up and running, what do you think the Blaze offers its viewers and its readers? And what is the vision that you have going forward for it post-pandemic? Inquiring minds want to know, including mine. So I hope you are all having a wonderful time tonight. And thank you so much for watching and happy reading, y'all. Stay safe. Bye. I'm that was the most like wonderful surprise. <laughs> that was so yeah. wonderful. Yeah. Jenna Blum is is she's really the heart of a mighty blaze. She's she's a genius. She does most of this stuff. Um, we are going forward. Um, I'm actually doing much less in the blaze now than Jenna is because I have to write my book and also because Jenna is like the Oprah of the Mighty Blaze world. Oh. A Mighty Blaze offers people community. It really does. We get we get these extraordinary writers to come and be interviewed. Uh, we promote new authors. We interview debut authors. Uh, Jenna has started running virtual book festivals virtually, and she's. She does it in tiara and heels. Uh, Jenna is going to be starting a series of classes for people can take through the blaze. We have merchandise. We've gone political this year. Um, I really have to credit Jenna Blum because she is she is amazing. I, I would not be surprised if she has a TV show next, but it's a wonderful community. So you should come over. Everybody's welcome. And uh, it's very much fun. Well, we're we're so happy that you could tell us about that. Now, we're going to talk a little bit about the Bookstore of the Week, which is the Community Bookstore in Brooklyn. Yep, there they are. And they are offering uh, a 10% discount. Um, you just use the code FRIENDSFICTION10. And now we're going to um, see what the viewers want to know from Caroline. So we have chosen some questions that were posted on the Facebook page earlier, and we'll ask them now. But while we're talking, if you have something you'd like to ask, post it. And if we can, we'll try to get to it. Mary Alice, you've got the first question. I do. And Lisa Morgan Cass, she says, the question for Caroline and all you ladies is, you have a short bookshelf. What three books are on it? I'm really curious if if and what other genres pop up with women fiction authors. Okay. So three books, y'all have to name it. Um, John Irving, The World According to Garp. 
um, hieroglyphics, Jill McCorkle, and all of your books. <laughs> <laughs> okay, you broke the rules and went over, but we're we're. Good I with know, <laughs> but I did it. I did it for a good reason. <laughs> for love. <laughs> Do you have an answer to that? Can you think of three books on your bookshelf? Me? Yeah. Oh my gosh, I don't. I I, I was thinking. I didn't think we were going to have to answer this, but I was thinking. <laughs> There's no way that I could pick three books, right? So um, it's it's an you did a great job because I find that an impossible task. A lot of times, and I know all the other ladies too. You sometimes you do a, a book signing and it comes to Q and A time, and they say, "What's some of your favorite books?" And your mind goes, right? right? Well, I have to say, it's not what I would pick for three books that would be like my. I'm just so happy to share with you the three books that I'm reading on this program. We have such wonderful authors that we're constantly reading your books. So the three books I'm reading really concurrently are, and I finished, With or Without You by Caroline <laughs> Levitt, Fanny Flags, Wonder Boy at the Whistle Stop, and coming up, Sue Monk's Kid Book of Longing. There you so, go. I'm reading my book right now. Three books you are. So what we're going to say then is ditto. Ditto to you. You've got a question, right? I do. So um, Erica... Shepard Roebuck, who we all know and love. And love Erica. So for those of you who don't know, she, Erica is not only a great Friends and Fiction member, but she's also an incredible author. And to smooth it in, she actually has a book coming out in February called The Invisible Woman, based on a true World War II spy. It's going to be incredible. But she said, I love Caroline. And my question is, for such a prolific writer... What is your writing routine? Oh, okay. Well, um, when I, well, I usually, first thing when I get up at breakfast, then I sit down at my desk and I don't get up for three or four hours. I can't do more than four hours. And then I do everything else. When okay. I'm doing a novel, the first thing is outlining, mapping, character walls, all this other stuff. And then I start the writing. And a large part of my writing routine is actually panic because <laughs> I know I have a deadline. And so I have to, you know, make this good and get it in and I always give myself tight deadlines so that I can make them and that's my routine. Wow. Do you do it by words? Do you do by words or time? Time. Never time. by words. Never oh. by words. Because I can I can spend three hours on one paragraph and right. you know if that's done by words then I'd really be disappointed in myself. Interesting. Hey Christy, do you want to ask um one of the a live questions that our uh, viewers posted? Yeah, so I first wanted to say that so many people are praising your tenacity and um, are just so happy that you kept writing. And I think we can all echo that for sure. And um, Joyce Merrill wants to know, this is kind of an everybody question, does anybody write by hand? I do. I do. I, yeah, for some things. I mean, I have, I have where's my notebook? Like that's, I mean... Oh, I ripped out the pages. I, I do. When I'm figuring stuff out, I will write by hand. But yeah. when I'm doing the writing, writing, it's got to be on the computer. Yeah. yeah. I can't even read my own handwriting at this point. So yeah, my handwriting is too. too. <laughs> my brain's too fast. I, I mean, I yeah. can put notes yeah. and character sketches, but I, I just, I can't keep up by hand. Yeah, I'm the Kristen, same. do you have a question that you've, uh, you want to pull off one of the... Uh, a live question? Yeah, Bruce Gilbert is wondering, Caroline, whether you can give us an idea of what you're writing next. Oh, you know what? I wish I could, but I don't know yet. <laughs> I mean, I have I sold it on this premise and this first chapter, and I'm still sort of feeling my way. So I would be too embarrassed to say something that wasn't right, yeah. so yeah. I can't. I can't. Okay, give us a hint. The setting. Give us a hint. The setting. 
Um, I can't. Okay. <laughs> I just can't. I'm sorry. I have to be really secretive because I don't have a handle on it yet. And I don't, I don't know what to say about it because I don't know what to say about it. If I tell you what it's about, I'm afraid I'll look at your faces and there'll be expressions like, Really? No. <laughs> so I don't want to. I don't want to. It, it will no. have words. The words will true. be in paragraphs. The paragraphs will be in chapters. Right? It's like, yeah. And you'll write yeah. at the end. So we another live question, Caroline. People were were concerned about what put you into the medically induced coma twenty some years oh. ago. Oh, it was actually, um, well, it was after I delivered my son. And after delivery, your immune system gets a little glitchy. And what happened is my body started producing this protein. It turned out it was just a protein. And what this protein did is it stopped all of my blood from clotting. Um, and it's a really rare disorder. It's called a postpartum factor eight inhibitor because it inhibits your factor eight, wow. which is what keeps your blood clotting. So I was just bleeding, 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 bleeding. And they kept doing operation after operation just to get the blood out. Um, they glued my veins shut. I had all these transfusions. And finally, there was this little hematologist who was just about to retire and she had seen this once before in Germany and because the treatment was so toxic and poisonous she wanted them the hospital to do this special test to see if this protein came up and they did and it did and you know that was that was actually she was who saved me she was who saved me we're, we're glad she did hey Caroline can you, everyone is wanting your writing tip. So will you share, I mean, the woman gets paid to do this, but <laughs> tonight she's going to, she's going to give it out to us. First. Gonna I'm going to give it out. Okay. This is my, I have this Bible for a, a plot comes out of character. And I have this Bible that I call the wants and needs Bible and uh -huh. I will compress it for you, which is you have to start with a character who desperately wants something with great stakes and they want it because they have some sort of a moral blind spot or a misconception about it. Whatever they want, they can't get, but you can give them after a lot of struggle what they need instead. So it's like, I call it the Rolling Stone method. Of I was plotting. Just <laughs> it's like, you can't get what you want, but if you try, and that means real struggle, you get what you need. And you know what? It works every time. It works every time. That's a good one because it's easy to remember. Just think about Nick yep. Bagger. Yep, yep, there you go. I'm well, going to play that music when I finish my next outline. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we've got some announcements tonight. We've got so much to tell you guys about tonight. So we're just going to get right to it. Patty has uh, a book recommendation for us tonight. I do. We try to talk every week about a debut and talk about novelists who have debut novels. And tonight I wanted to tell you about... Andrew Gatani's novel, Duty and Desire, which is the first in a whole series about, um, it's about family and, and expectations and arranged marriages. It's an, you know, hashtag own voices. And it's just been optioned for a movie and it is her debut novel. And she's from Atlanta and I'm really proud of her. And I wanted to let y'all know about that book. That's awesome. Wow. And Mary Ellis, you are going to tell us a little bit about upcoming guests, right? Upcoming guests, right. Well, next, well, next week, Patty's hosting Frank, Hank Felipe Ryan and JT Ellison. So we're excited. I know you know them. Yeah. And then we know. Are you lucky? I know. Oh, that's exciting. so lucky. And then we close the month of November with Suma Kid, who we're very excited. Uh, and we talked about the book along. So we're she's excited wonderful. Yes, she is. Yeah. And Patty has something else she wants to tell us about. Yeah. So we have a real, every once in a while, we have an addition and we have a really exciting addition to our December 9th show. So a screenwriter and a producer named Todd Komernicki is is the producer for the Christmas blockbuster Elf. And All he, my favorite. <laughs> I know, right? So <laughs> okay. he is going to join us with our guest, Andy McDowell, and we are going to talk about screenwriting <laughs> and producing and book-to-movie adaptation. Don't want to miss this. You do yeah, not so want to miss this. But I just want to let you all know we had added him to the schedule, and we're really excited to talk about all of that. 
Yeah. And Christy? Um, well, I am so excited because next Monday at seven, I am the guest on our official Friends in Fiction book club page. So I'll be live on the Friends in Fiction book club page at seven talking about my book. I just I wasn't thinking I was doing this. So I'm glad I have this year. Feels like falling, which is my latest release that came out in April. Um, and so join us. It's going to be really, really fun. And um, they've been having great discussions in the group um, for the past couple of weeks about Feels Like Falling. And I'm just so excited to be there and tell everybody about it. Awesome. Right. And so, you know, we're going to um, bring up the graphics so you can see about Caroline's book. Um, it's so wonderful. With or without you. And we're so grateful that Caroline was here with us tonight. And you, I feel like I went to a writer's boot camp. Yeah. <laughs> I just can't get over the story about the boyfriend that wouldn't let you eat. Like that. I know. <laughs> I know. But also, yeah, he was pretty awful. I, I mean, honestly, uh, with or without you, I'm going to pull up the cover so everyone sees it. You know, such a beautiful writing. Yeah. Well, you. The first thing you had me at the first line. They oh, thank you. Him, you know, it was yeah. just wow. So yes. thank you. And so just I want you all to remember that our uh, bookstore of the week is a community bookstore in um, Park Slope, Brooklyn. And I hope, you know, um, part of what our mission is here on Friends and Fiction is to connect readers with writers and also with indie bookstores um, who are community owned and operated. And that's really uh, an important part of our mission. So I hope you guys uh, will um, support the community bookstore and all of our indie bookstores. And you know what? That's our show tonight. <laughs> we want to thank you so much. Wait, don't forget to tell them about tomorrow night. Wait, tomorrow. Oh, tomorrow. Oh, yeah, yeah. tomorrow night. Oh, I yeah. will. Oh, I had, I had the best time. I had the thank best you. time. Thank oh, you, Caroline. That was so so much. I just, I'm just absolutely thrilled. We are so happy to have I'm you. I'm glad you came out of that. Yeah. <laughs> um, thank you, Caroline. So thank before so we go, we want to remind everybody that tomorrow night, the FNF gang will be interviewing Fanny Flag. And you can get, that's right, Fanny Flag. You can get a link to the Zoom with purchase of a book from Page and Pallet Bookstore in Fairhope, Alabama. And uh, it won't, you won't find us here tonight, uh, tomorrow night on Friends and Fiction. You're going to have to go to Page and Palette, and it is a, um, a book with purchase situation, and all the deets will be on the Friends and Fiction website. Good night, everybody. Thanks for being here. Thank you, Caroline. Thank you so much. I love you. Thank you. Oh, she was she awesome. Yeah, wow, what, what a amazing story. woman. What a story. Okay, I just have to set a stage for you guys right now. Like, I'm not going to show you, but so I'm in my dining room and our living room's over here and our kitchen is behind me. And, you know, it's, it's like a lot of space. So my son is standing in one. My husband is standing in the other, like right here. And they have been doing something with fishing line and fishing rods the entire <laughs> time that I've been on here. And I'm like, Why did you to kill y'all? What are you doing? <laughs> I know what they're doing, Christy, because my husband and son do it. They are... Re, they're redoing their fishing yeah. line. I think it, they were. I think they were outside, and then it started raining. So now here we are. Okay. <laughs> the old fishing line is no good. Mm -hmm. So you have to take it mm -hmm. off, and you have to. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> fly fishing. Otherwise, they'd be. Right yep. in your hair. <laughs> you know, we have some people on our comments asking about um, our Friends in Fiction merch since we've talked yeah. about it on the, the yeah. website yeah. or on, on the Facebook page. We, oh. we will be getting, I just wanted to say, we'll be, we'll have news on that soon. I, I know a lot of people have asked, we'll a lot of people are asking. Yeah. Yeah. And it, we, I know it seems like it should be easy just for everybody out yeah. there, but it's kind of complicated and they're yeah. like, Pack stuff involved and yep. setting up online. Like there are like a lot of things that we had to kind of go through. So it seems like, oh, hey, make some t-shirts, send them out. But it's it's a little, <laughs> it's kind of a little more complicated. No, we're working on it. 
We're working on it. We, we promise, and we are truly working on it as quickly as we can. Yeah. So we, but in, so rest assured, there will be merch. It's just we have to figure out how. Yeah. <laughs> I'm glad you guys responded to the poll that we put up. Yeah, yeah. 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 that was amazing. Yeah, yeah so fun. That was really great. Yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing it myself. Yeah, <laughs> I want a coffee mug. Yeah, exactly. I want my own. Go to wine. I need a t-shirt so I can wear it every day. Oh, <laughs> yes, I've been wearing mine. Well, Kristen, my sister's like, I want one of those t-shirts. <laughs> my mom said she wants one too. And I could only yeah. find one of mine when I got home. So I think I, I actually left it one. here, Christy. Oh, oh man. I will send it to you. I'm putting a vote in for friends and fiction M&Ms. That's what Yes. Yeah. Right here. Oh my gosh. Noah was so fascinated by those. He's like, but how did they get the letters on the M&Ms? <laughs> he was so into it. I hand painted every I assumed that you did. Yes. Candy, <laughs> <laughs> I saw that you have a makeup something. Can, are we going to have a, a sample? I would love samples of that. What's the makeup? What? Okay. On your you had on your Facebook today. Me? No, Patty. Patty. I didn't have any makeup on my Facebook. No, you put something about. Um, yeah, you did. I was at on Instagram with some skin cosmetic. Oh, 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 oh! What was that? That was I'm very cool. Um, my local in in Mountain Brook, Alabama. There's this amazing store at, um, and beauty aesthetic, and they have um, beauty therapy. And they carry all clean products. Mm. And so Christy and I were always talking about, you know, using makeup and products without chemicals in them. And I talked about two of, they did an Instagram story about me. They put makeup on me. I don't look like myself. And I told a story about it. And one of them is Alchemy, which is by a company named Moon and Rock, which is my daughter. And the other product I use is Augustus, what's the last name? Bader. Bader. B-A-D-E-R. Yeah. Thank you for asking because, yeah, they, uh, Chrissy and yeah. I, yeah. I thought you looked radiant. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> somebody else. I wanted to know what you were using. Yeah. Yeah. Somebody else put my makeup on. But, um, yeah, that was fun. And listen, I could talk to Caroline Levitt for. Yeah. I was sitting here thinking, yeah. like, should I send her my next manuscript? <laughs> God, it's your eighth right? book. Like, surely you can get it together. Like, you can do this, Christy. Come on. Yeah. Like, how does she do that? I mean, yeah. even if she's fast to teach at these different locations, yeah. to do one-on-one, yeah. to do Mighty Blaze, and write a novel. Yeah. yeah. The only thing I wanted to insert was the um, from long experience. I wanted to say, um, editors rarely call you in person. No. To tell you how much your book sucks. I know. <laughs> so when we have a Blanquin editor call her up, um, that, you know, for most of us, that would have been a good sign. Although I still can't believe the old editor called and said, we don't love you. <laughs> oh, my God. You, know, you know, that they usually distance themselves. From the bad news. Yeah. From the bad news. Yeah. Usually, if you get, if, if, if an editor calls you, usually... It's good news. Yeah. I could feel the blood like leaving my head. Leaving my going down. Could you guys feel it in your body? Yes. I couldn't believe I couldn't imagine how I would feel if she said, Oh, we don't think you can fix it. And you're not special. That is the worst. And you're not special. Yeah. But her tenacity come out of that. Yeah, I mean, I, it's so hard. I mean, I feel like every little bump in the road, I have felt it's over. This is it. Like, I'm never going to get another, you know, and then to be able to really make it through that because you are so attached. It's so personal yeah. to you. I'm actually kind of writing about that right now, which is sort of funny, but yeah. not in writing, but in like another career thing, the one my character is going through. So y'all, this really helped. Thanks. <laughs> You know, it, it made me think, though, I wonder if going through that made her that much more attuned to the plight of other writers. Um, mm-hmm. and, and if maybe that's part of why her heart is so much in a mighty blaze right now, you know, like it's yeah. interesting. Interesting. because it's, it's it's tough. It's a really tough world out there for all of us who were doing mm-hmm. this and pouring our hearts and souls into our writing. So, um, you know, good, yeah, good, good for her for sticking with it, but then paying it forward, too. 
Yeah, it's incredible. It really yeah. is. Okay, I'm going to tell you what my dog just did. She just ate my lipstick. Want to see her mouth? <laughs> <laughs> Nothing exciting. Christy's got fishing line. I'm just like, <laughs> <laughs> all right. You can read Caroline's, by the way, you can read Caroline's uh, essays, Psychology Today essays, if you um, Google them. You can Google Thank Caroline you. Levitt. She has them posted on her um, website, and they're really profound and thought provoking. So, Anybody who's interested in uh, the art of the personal essay and laying bare all your family secrets. Wow. She does it. Um, it's terrifying. I have friends who are trying to write memoirs and it's yeah, really scary. hard to know what to do. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Okay, everybody. I, I have to go eat some leftovers because I've been living like a hobo. <laughs> I gotta wash my go dog. Eat some more M and M's. And Jason uh, made lobster tonight. We're having lobster for dinner. Oh, okay. Gosh. I've actually already eaten. I'm like, I'm I already like ate. Early bird special over here. <laughs> well, you have it, guys. Hanging out with us when you have lobster. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god, do eat your lobster. Go eat your lobster and oh, don't and forget everyone to dinner tomorrow night with Fanny. We were only supposed to be able to sell 200 tickets, I think, and we're like way above that. So I don't know. Yeah. See keep, everybody keep tonight. If you're the, here keep tonight, if you're here tonight, come see us tomorrow night yep. with Finley because she's going to be a great be interview. A great we're so You've been listening to the Friends and Fiction Podcast. Be sure to subscribe to the Friends and Fiction podcast wherever you listen. And if you're enjoying it, leave a review. You can find the Friends and Fiction authors at www.friendsandfiction.com, as well as on the Facebook group page, Friends and Fiction. Come back soon, okay? There are still lots of books, writing tips, interviews, publishing news, and bookstores to chat about. Goodbye. Produced by Autovita Studios. Connect your voice to the world.